Welcome to Taking the Higher Road, a Driver Reach and Freight Waves podcast production. I'm your host, Jeremy Raymer, founder and CEO of Driver Reach. On this show, I interview industry experts and thought leaders who bring their insight to the driver life cycle as we discuss the industry's greatest challenges, driver recruiting and retention. This week, I'm excited to be joined by a great friend and industry expert for all things driver compensation, best practices and programs, Leah Shaver, President and CEO of the National Transportation Institute. Welcome to the podcast, Leah. Great to see you. Thanks for having me. Always good to see you. You've uh, you've been on fire lately. I'm, I'm seeing you everywhere. Uh, I'm guessing that has to do with the fact that companies are scrambling to find drivers and doing everything they can, uh, including increasing driver pay, uh, to attract drivers. Um, so before I get into the work that you do with NTI, uh, I would like to point out to the audience that you also serve as an officer on the Board of Directors for Women in Trucking, right? A group that uh, that I've supported since its founding, I think back in 07 or so. And then uh, you also have, uh, you're a talk show host on Sirius XM's uh, Road Dog Radio. Is that right? All true. They, uh, there's there's downtime and then there's opportunity to serve. And uh, I have a problem saying no. So um, those, that, those are a couple of my extracurriculars. Well, that's fine. That definitely keeps you busy. Um, so let's let's dive in. If you uh, if you're ready, I do want to start with a true or false question. All right. Um, true or false. Attract you can attract the right people sooner and retain them longer with the right pay, benefits, and incentives in place. Where's the right answer, Bell? That is true. <laughs> I think these are gimmies. I think. But I, but it's a nice uh, you know it's a nice segue I think into uh, into what we're going to be talking about today and I think there's a there's a heavy dose of that so this is something that uh, you hear a lot when you when when you have surveys and responses to surveys where pay is a big thing and certainly it's become a bigger thing today I feel like than uh, than in most years because of the demand for drivers uh, is it. How important is it? Is the pay is it the most important thing when it comes to recruiting and retaining drivers? It's such a complicated answer because I'd love to say, well, it's a little bit of everything because it is. But um, actually, if you ask a professional driver, they'll tell you that pay is not the most important factor. Um, however, pay is arm in arm with the most important factor, and it is the uh, as we refer to it, the handshake agreement that. Uh, leads a driver to accept a job and encourages them to to remain in the job. If uh, if the pay and the benefits and the offerings in general at the company, the culture is there to support the driver, then they drown out the noise of all the other folks around them and and really stay focused with their employer. So, you know, how can 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 wage data, you know, better support that effort, because I think I've seen this year, especially, and even late in, in 2020, I've seen uh, article after article, really almost on a daily basis, certainly weekly basis, companies increasing their wages, and and they want to get that out there, right? They, they're, they're whether that's a, in a press release or it's it's hitting some of the different you know periodicals and you know news feeds, but they want to get that out there. They want to get that word out there. How? What is it that is prompting that to happen and how can companies better um, position themselves to make sure that they're making the right decision? Um, I, and, I, and I think I'm sort of feeding into maybe some of the questions around, you know, what NTI does specifically. But how does wage data, how can that better support, you know, those efforts? 
appreciate the question since you're right, it does lead into what we do every day here. Um, we track driver wages, benefits, programs, best practices every day of the year, whether driver supply is strong or incredibly weak as it is today. Um, the, the harder it is to attract a driver, the more that we see turnover increase, the weaker that we see conditions related to driver supply in the U.S., um, the more our phone rings, right? It's um, it's really important that the 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 companies that are already subscribing to our information feel that they are one step ahead of their competitors. And if someone's calling that's a new customer, they're calling because they feel a step behind. So to answer your question, um, you know, benchmarking your programs and tracking data, especially as it pertains to compensation, is important because in the for hire fleet arena, driver pay is really very reactive to the market. Driver pay is completely dependent on driver supply, on driver turnover, on freight rates. And so we see all of those components getting a lot of action these days. And that's why, in turn, you are also seeing activity in driver compensation. Well, you, you mentioned that it's you, that you monitor it all the time, you know, you know, good times and bad. Yep. And so yep. when times are good as they are today, at least when I say good, certainly there is upward uh, rate pressure on, you know, for, for rates. And then as well as, you know, wage pressure uh, goes hand in hand with that. But how, you know, how do they, how do fleets keep up in order to, to, to be competitive? Because I think that's something that most companies are, are recognizing today that they're extremely challenged with, which again, may be part of the reason why you've been as, uh, as busy as you have been lately. When, when pays on the move, how do they, how do they keep up? The best way to keep up is to be one step ahead. As I mentioned, uh, subscribers reach out and make sure that they know everything that's happening, that they are very much in line with the pulse that is active in the industry. But if you have to react to the market, then the most important thing to do is to benchmark all of your pay attributes, all of your programs, and really understand where do you stand out and what should you be identifying um, and, and portraying in the market. It, it brings to mind uh, when I ask a company, what do you think is special about you? You know, How do you stand out? Tell me about what you say to attract drivers. And they tell me that they're they're family oriented. They call their drivers by name. Um, they have an open door policy. These are the things that really stand out to them. But if I ask you, someone who's in the center of many companies, does any of that stand out? The answer is unfortunately no. It, it really doesn't stand out too much to a driver if that's what's in your headline or in your pitch um, as you as you attempt to sell them a job. And so tracking all of the key attributes, meaning not only rate per mile, not only sign on bonuses, but referral bonuses, um, basic expenses that the driver incurs as an employee of your company, how you incent their performance. If you have a strong percentage of females and minorities so that those folks feel comfortable in your organization, Looking at each of these from the outside in allows you to break down maybe some of your comfortable barriers, some of those, um, you know, those side blockers that don't allow you to really see beyond what you've always thought was really interesting and and develop and come up with some things that that really do make you stand out. Well, 
pay is often one of those things that drivers will reference in terms of um, maybe their to their dissatisfaction or what they think what, what's important to them. But but respect always seems to be at the top of that list. Is there a reconciliation there? Is you know is pay a a a component of respect? Um, so and if so, could uh, you speak to that? Yeah. So I've been in trucking for twenty years this year, and um, I started as a driver recruiter. And I learned immediately that the key components that drivers are looking for are um, miles, which equals money in most jobs, and then um, home time when they need it. And they don't all need to be home every night or every week. Um, In fact, some folks really like to stay out for a long time. But when they tell you that they need to be home, they expect to be home at that time because they don't want to see a negative impact either on the arrangements that they've made or on um, their their paycheck. Um, so all of those those three factors being said, the most important factor that they've always stood out uh, in in expressing to me has been respect. And so I did a show on this just a couple of weeks ago on Sirius XM, and I asked them the same question, you know, am, has, has anything changed? Um, it's a rhetorical question. It's meant to get phone calls, right, and have their, their interaction on the show. Um, but respect is still key. And how does respect get represented at a fleet uh, in their eyes, first and foremost, in their paycheck? So is money most important? No, it's not the first thing that they'll say to you, but they'll feel disrespected if they see um, that their time is not valued as it as it pertains to their paycheck. Um, if their miles aren't what they need and it's an activity-based pay package, then um, they feel disrespected. If unpaid, unproductive time, the number one complaint that we get uh, from drivers is not is not compensated, then they feel disrespected. If customers don't have facilities and don't welcome them, if um you know, the if they call into the driver manager and say that they can't make it at a particular time because of the weather or other uh, issues on the road, things that they can't control, like construction, um, the, they, they feel disrespected. So absolutely respect comes through in so many different ways uh, in, in as a priority to them. And it should. Well, I, well, I agree. And do you feel that's being missed? You know, is that being missed by executives, you know, when it comes to the topic of of driver rages or, uh, and I imagine that's one of them, but you know, what else is there that maybe they're not recognizing when it comes to, to this topic that, that they need to address? Um, that's such a good question. The, what we find most often is surprising to executives when we present data to them personally is that they are well aware of their top 10% performers they see their average earnings as uh, indicative by their best drivers. They look at the performance and interaction and, um, and retention of their, the, their long tenure drivers. And they don't examine the groups that see the most activity and, and the highest turnover. So um, we're always quick to point out an examination and evaluation of the, the actual earnings outcomes for drivers that are newly tenured. First year drivers earn on average almost 24% less than a full year driver. 
And so if you were to look at the earnings of those early drivers and annualize them, which we don't, we don't annualize earnings in our data sets to come up with um, a market conclusion, but we do when we're looking at driver turnover. And so when you see that discrepancy, um, if you, if likewise, if you get feedback only from your very best drivers, they are they are senior level in your company. They know who to call. They know how to address their issues. They are well respected and and rightfully so because they've earned that respect from the company. Um, but those early tenure drivers feedback is also so important. The the feedback from drivers in the fleet that turns over quite highly is is very valuable. These are just a couple of examples of key components that we see. Uh, when we're looking at at pay and and talking with executives and you know finding some disconnect. Well, I mean, what percentage of companies out there are actually making data informed decisions? I mean, are there still companies that that aren't? Um, I would imagine that's an important part. I mean, we all. I mean, that's just not just about driver wages, by the way. All of us in in business and in life, you know, more or less are making decisions based on data that is before us that we in some cases have to research more than others. But, you know, what is the difference? Because I would imagine there's a lot of companies that aren't making um, the data informed decisions that they could be when it comes to wages. You know, what it, sure. what do you typically see? So first of all, a lot of folks make data-driven decisions. And we know that from looking at other uh, technology that supports the industry. You know, trucking has become, uh, you know, it has long been dated in some of the technology. And certainly we've done a lot of catch-up over the last decade. Um, but I don't think that that would be uh, a correct assumption, you know, from folks on the that are outside of the industry. However, when it comes to pay data, um, you know, there are a lot of folks that really, um, first of all, that that rely on information, and they do so to make informed decisions, not just to recruit and retain drivers, by the way, but to price the market, to price labor appropriately with their customers in their contracts. So that as the labor, um, you know, or the market responds and labor has to react to that, they're already prepared and have that written into their contract. Um, so, so that's one component that, you know, that fleets use data for. But I think that more fleets use our data to recruit and retain than they do to price the labor accordingly. The folks that are pricing their labor and utilizing our third-party benchmarking to communicate with customers, they stand out as leaders. They make early pay moves. They make more aggressive pay announcements. Um, they retain their drivers longer. They hire for new positions, dedicated positions, um, you know, expansions of their company faster. They are in growth mode in ways that other folks are really looking to just um, keep, you know, keep a hold of who they've got. Well, I was a former, you know, fleet owner and uh, it never occurred to me, I guess, back then, uh, and they were good times for a little bit. And then the this was <laughs> which led up to the uh, the significant, I don't know what you want to call it, the great the great correction, the great recession, whatever you want to call it. But uh, but you've you've referenced uh, subscribers, you've referenced benchmarking a couple times uh, and data sets. 
And so, again, that that's that's the concept is foreign to me, but it's so sound, you know, you know, as I'm removed now, you know, what are the advantages of using a third party to do to pay studies? I guess that's that's one one question. And, and why not just task, you know, a recruiter to do their, you know, some recon work? You know, they can just call, you know, some of the competitors and kind of get an idea, kind of be a, you know, undercover driver, so to speak. Why? What's the sure. benefit of using a third party if that's something you can talk about? I can actually. Um, I'm going to give you the 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 easy answer and then the right answer. Um, the easy answer is that NTI has no skin in the game. We don't employ any professional drivers. We don't have any stake in any of the fleets that subscribe to our data. Um, in fact, uh, though I, I monitor the, the performance of publicly traded companies, I don't, I don't buy um, stock in the companies that we support despite uh, monitoring their performance and, and knowing you know, what to expect ahead of their, their reportings. Um, so we have no skin in the game. We're neutral. We have fleet subscribers, both for hire and private fleet, and also shippers, equity analysts. Um, our only goal is to help companies that employ professional drivers and technicians to be successful. To, to have information about fleets that do the same type of work that they do, that employ people that do similar job descriptions, that live in markets, um, you know, that, that overlap with their business, and, and help them to know exactly what's trending, what the, uh, you know, the, the general information is about the market, and then go back into that marketplace with well-compensated, engaged, and retained employees. That, that's really our goal. So the easy answer is, if I think back to my risk management days at a fleet, I had a sign on my wall that said, protect your business with people who know your business. And we know trucking. And we know professional drivers and we know pay and programs and best practices. So that's why folks subscribe to our information and have for 26 years now. The easy answer, though, is because having your recruiters call around or have your having someone on your team um, call their peers and ask what they're paying just honestly isn't legal in the U.S. So the, the easy answer is that um, you want your, your benchmarking to follow safe harbor guidelines. And the way to do that is to have a third party perform the surveys. Um, connected with that is that the reason that people ask us to do it is because we have such a, a wide variety and large concentration of participants that our subscribers know that they're deep in the mix. They're very relevant um, as far as the data that's coming back to them and that it matches up with their, their type of work. Meaning we're not scraping from ads and telling you what the advertised price is for your driver in the market. Or if you are an energy company employing experienced professional drivers that, that need their tanker and hazmat endorsement, the wages by market are going to match the job description for your driver, not for the van, reefer, and flatbed uh, for hire fleets in the same market. Now, you're, you're, uh, you have customers, you have subscribers, and it's a subscription-based model, right? It's not a just, you know, pay for a report kind of on an as-needed basis. No, so these are subscribers both. who are... We have both, okay. actually. We do on-demand work. 
Um, and and when you say I've been everywhere lately, uh, the harder it is to find drivers, the more the um, pop in and out type clients come back, right? Um, they are not using data to price labor in the markets that they're operating in. They're not using our benchmarking information to communicate with their customers. They're using it because they aren't able to source enough drivers to seat their trucks and they're losing them out the back door. And so they want to answer that question and they've ordered it from us before they know they can do that again. So we absolutely do serve the reactive client and there's there's no judgment. I mean, we realize that that exists in the market and we serve their needs um, as equally as we would, you know, in that one moment across the board a day day after day. Um, but for the most part, our 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 data is on a subscription basis and folks either get it um, by quarter or they order ahead the on the subscription and then they price new business as needed and it, it gets delivered to them express style. Um, you know, we expedite their the pre-ordered um, subscriptions a little differently. But um, but for the most part, yes, it's it's subscription and, and quarterly delivery. Well, a lot of us are, are reactionary in nature. I mean, I think that's that's just that's that's human nature. But I, I can see the value. Maybe you can touch on this a little bit. I can see the value of of there being this uh, ongoing um, access to to data. I mean, and this is all proprietary information. Is that correct? Yes. I mean, our we have, um, again, a, a database that's been developed over many years um, but it, we survey pay every day and it's it's kept current, but we follow all safe harbor guidelines and deliver data in aggregate form by market, by job type, trailer type, um, you know, fleet type. And um, and so, yes, it's uh, it's quite complex if it needs to be. And it can also be as simple as the the typical van carrier doing irregular route over the road, you know, one package across the board. Um, but but with so many opportunities in trucking right now, with demand so high, there's an incredible amount of pricing business and new jobs going on. And so a large amount of our work every day is doing on-demand surveys um, and making sure that the, again, from a pricing perspective, the labor is according to needs so that the fleet can hire quickly and then retain the drivers that they successfully hire. Well, I would imagine that anybody who's uh, tuned in and, and listening to you uh, share some of your, your wisdom on driver compensation is saying, give me some, some really good tips. Let me give me some good feedback that I can take back to the company and say, here are some things, you know, some, some kind of best practices. So, um, you know, I think some, one thing that stands out to me and every time it seems that um, you, you get into a position where the demand for drivers starts to really accelerate is uh, an increase in, you know, referral bonuses, you know, sign on bonuses and those sorts of things. I, I would imagine that's something that you're seeing a lot of in the in the marketplace. And I'm curious um, what your thoughts are on that as is that a competitive maneuver or is that something that is more sugar rush that can dissipate pretty quickly. Any thoughts on that? Sure. Yeah, um, another good question. You know, referral bonuses and sign-on bonuses are what launched the current pay cycle in Q3 of 2020. Um, fleets came back from not doing 
much hiring, if at all, uh, during Q2 and 3. And when they got ready to relaunch campaigns, found that uh, they were what they were calling us saying is, where have all the drivers gone? Um, so, you know, the the attraction bonuses that you mentioned, sign-ons and referrals are what were increased quickly. Um, I have a lot to say about referral programs. I'm going to answer the sign-on because it's a little bit faster. Drivers are skeptical of extraordinarily high sign-on bonuses. So if you are a standard fleet and you have many competitors and your requirements for drivers are pretty standard, um, for the most part, you would be better served putting that money into your pay package and looking a whole lot more competitive when it comes to the market and the outcomes for your drivers. Uh, primarily because remember that your first year driver is going to typically earn less than it, their full year peers. And that's just a matter of a new job. It's new circumstances. It's lost time to um, be hired, onboarded, travel, um, get up to par, get to know the driver manager. You know, I could go on. But the bottom line is there's some acclimating that happens for a new driver at a company, and they'd rather see that in their paycheck. Conversely, if you are a very specialized fleet, you have higher requirements and you are in a position where um, the only way you're going to attract drivers is literally, and forgive the term, you have to poach them from another company. Um, you know, you're not drivers that are working and happy and well compensated today, they're not looking on Indeed. Um, you know, or Craigslist and looking at at job ads, they're they're just not. They're they're looking at your social media. Um, they're speaking with their peers. They are keeping in contact with your strong recruiters who have reached out to them um, intermittently to say, "Hey, Susie, just making sure you still know that you know we really appreciate what you're doing and we're still interested in you joining us when you're ready. We have this new." opportunity that we wanted to run by you. So, you know, in that case, a sign-on bonus can be very useful and can almost be perceived as required in order to attract a senior level driver that's well compensated away from their fleet where they're really happy in order to get them to move to your company. So in those terms, drivers, they, they see sign-on bonuses as being uh, respectable and, and understandable. Um, certainly, you know, so think in your mind, teams, hazmat, tanker, uh, you know, opportunities that require a whole lot more experience, maybe some time away from the house. Those jobs drivers almost expect to see some sort of attraction bonus. Well, in, 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 in finding new drivers, what's what's more attractive? Is it that higher base pay um, or is it other incentives or is there a mix? For the most part, they want to see it in their paycheck. And when I'm on the radio with drivers, I always remind them that, you know, my when I used to when I was younger in my early 20s and I was really proud of myself because I got recognized at work for something that I did well. My dad would say, but did they put it in an envelope? Uh, you know, drivers have a similar perspective and ultimately um, they want to feel that respect 
in terms of value for their time, their time away from home, their time on the road, the aggravation of, of unexpected and, and uncontrollable factors that they, you know, that they, there's nothing they can do um, about. Um, they, you know, they want strong communication and again, time, time at home or off when it's scheduled, but for the most part, they want to see it in an envelope. That makes sense. Now, before we go, I do have one more question. Since you're on the board of Women in Trucking, uh, obviously uh, that group, as well as you know, others in the industry, have really embraced, including you know, and getting more women into the industry to help offset the challenging uh, dynamic that exists from a driver shortage standpoint. What do you? What can carriers do to to move that needle further? How? What are the things that maybe you can speak to? One or two things that that we can do to get more women because it's still under 10% of the total workforce, right? It is. Yep. Um, so, so easy, easy, low hanging fruit is that if you have women that are thriving in your company and trucks, um, ask them if they are comfortable being portrayed as your ambassadors and um, share their successes um, they're the, the challenges that they've experienced and overcome, uh, recognize them, um, as you have recognition programs within your organization, you should always be addressing whether or not the recognition is diverse and, um, not just related to women, but if you have diversity in your fleet, your recognition programs need to take that into a, into account, uh, remember what I said about your top 10%, which may be your longest employed and remember we didn't always have a very diverse workforce. So if we're only recognizing that top 10%, um, the, the view might be quite homogenistic. And there's certainly something that you can do to get um, a, a better um, diverse representation of your company. To that, um, you know, I always tell folks that you should um, reflect what you admire, and in turn, you will attract what you reflect. So, uh, for example, um, this isn't necessarily related to gender, but it's a very appreciable uh, concept, which is I, I was listening uh, to an interview with a fleet about how they they allow truck washes out on the road with with high frequency. And, and that's unusual. Um, for the most part, companies will say you can get a truck wash if you're at a at the facility, um, you know, if there's time, if you can get in, et cetera. Well, if you don't take pride in your equipment as it's going down the road, your driver may have the same position or develop that same mentality as they approach their you know their assigned unit so likewise if um if you're looking to attract more women you know featuring the accomplishments of women in your organization not only in trucks but in leadership positions in making sure that you're elevating women in leadership positions that can be a key factor and then lastly when it comes to the women in your organization they want to mentor and be mentored they want to be part of groups that support them and um, of course women in trucking association allows for a lot of that camaraderie but likewise we see a lot of success and the highest concentration of women in fleets at organizations that create opportunities for the women and other minorities at their company to collaborate, to communicate, to celebrate each other, to celebrate working for the company as a minority, um, to be recognized and and just to 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 be together, you know, as a representative of the organization. Well, thanks again. 
Leah, for joining me today. Uh, we can find you uh, and NTI at driverwages.com. Is that correct? Driverwages.com. What, a, what an appropriate uh, URL. So Thank you. I really like that. Always great to catch up with you and, uh, and, and get your insight. Really appreciate it, Jeremy. Thank you. And thanks for joining me for another episode of Taking the Higher Road podcast. Remember to follow along at driverreach.com slash podcast. And if you have a question or comment or any suggestions for a podcast guest, you can drop us a note at podcast at driverreach.com. Until next time, stay true to Taking the Higher Road.